Hey everybody, welcome to Read This, Read That. I'm Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. Hey cousin. How you doing cousin? Good. It's been a good week. It has been a good week. You're yeah. looking well. Well, you are too. You're recovered from not feeling so hot. I'm almost there. I'm not 100%. Okay. You know, like I had to, I couldn't drink a full glass of champagne. I'm usually on my second glass by now. Right. But I'm, I'm trying to get through the first glass. Working on one little Prosecco. Yeah, light. and this is my first glass of bubbly since I had the hangover. I eased back into alcohol with red wine. Okay, good. Um, but that's all Healing. I can do. Yeah, but it's still been earth. eating little bits of things. Okay. You know, but okay. I'm doing okay. You'll work your way back. I am. Maybe if you had a cheeseburger, it'd probably help. That would not help. I'm just saying. That whole greasy thing. Is it would bad. absorb all that's the, a bacon. Craziness. Bacon also. Huh? It works. No, that would clean me out. <laughs> you know, it would get everything that's <laughs> it would get left it out. in there out. It would get it out. Start a whole new chapter. So what's been going on with you this week? <laughs> well, it was an interesting week. We mm -hmm. had some good black people on the TV show. We that love that. We love that. Yes. <laughs> we had Lady May. Lynn Whitfield on. I'm obsessed. Who is amazing. She's amazing. I love her because she's, of course, Greenleaf is on right now. She's um, on that show, but she's also in Napoli Ever After. Okay, what is Napoli Ever Napoli After? Napoli Ever After is the movie everybody has, everybody's been waiting on. It's mm -hmm. going to be on Netflix on tomorrow, Friday. Okay. Um, starring Sanaa Lathan, mm -hmm. as, and it's based on the book of the same name, as a black woman who, you know, her hair is her crowning glory. She has her natural hair, but it's straightened, like with a hot comb. Right. She's still, like, in this day and age, she's still hot combing her hair, mm -hmm. but it's long down her like back. Like Oprah. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful oh. head of hair. <laughs> it's a beautiful head of hair. Yes. But, um, and her mother still, Lynn Whitfield plays her mother. Mm -hmm. um, and when her relationship goes left she thinks her boyfriend is going to propose to her right i'm not going to give it away but well, i guess people read the book uh her boyfriend doesn't gives her a puppy instead of a ring mm -hmm. and so she just is like everything i'm doing is wrong and a lot of things happen she ends up shaving all of her hair off shaving her hair bald yep bald okay. and just starting from scratch and in that she's discovering who she really is and being mm -hmm. more of herself and she realizes that this was not the relationship for her anyway okay but anyway and so Sinan Lathan plays. Sinan Lathan okay. uh, plays the main character, and she was in our studio also this week. How exciting! And you know she has her hair. Her hair is growing back because she actually shaves off. She really did it in this scene in the movie. She's shaving off her actual oh, girl. hair. That's real method acting. And it. Let me tell you, I, I of course watched the movie in preparation for the interview. She was incredible. Yeah. In this, but the entire time as we were preparing for this. I was going round and round about, should we ask her about this bite with Beyonce situation? I mean, yeah. Well, the producers didn't have it in the questions, right? Yeah, yeah. And on our show, yeah. it's not my decision. Right. They go over the questions with the guest. So the guest knows what to expect. The guest knows what to expect, and if they don't want a question, they'll take it out. Okay. It's a very nice show. Yeah. It's a, it is what it is. It's friendly. Yeah. yeah, it is what it is. So I said to the producers, listen. What we don't want to happen is she goes to an, to her next interview and, and is like, oh, I've been waiting to talk about this bite, blah, 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 blah. I said, so don't put it on the card, but right. ask the publicist, listen, we're, we're not planning to, but we want, just want to make sure that she's not in a space where she wants to talk about it. Right. And the publicist said, don't even bring up. Don't even say don't bring it up. <laughs> don't do it. So we did it, and we had a lovely interview. But I tell you, the entire time I you was just like, wanted to, you want to say, you know, if girl, you had a glass okay. of lemonade, right? I'm just say you just did. like sipping on lemonade, and you were sipping on lemonade, and you were in formation. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, just in theory. And you know, after we did the interview, we all took pictures. I was like, would you, I wanted to say, would you yeah. take a picture biting me? <laughs> Just for, just for fun. Just for fun. Just you for know? fun. Come on, girl. You know what I'm saying? 
but I didn't. I, I was, was nice. so tempted. But she was so nice. Yeah. She was so lovely, and she's so excited about this role, and she really is good in it. It seems like, you know, her strategy is just... Not to talk about Don't talk it, about it. it. Let it disappear. Let the bite disappear. Because it has been a while. But a bite like that never really goes away. It does mm -hmm. leave a, a scar, yes, as, it as it were. Yes. Yeah. Well, we mm -hmm. haven't seen anything on Beyonce, but Tiffany Haddish told the story. We haven't seen her up close, so we don't know, know if the bite mark is still there and if it matches the shape. I'm just saying in theory. I know. But what was funny, uh, speaking of this whole bite situation uh, with, with Beyonce and Tiffany Haddish being the one that was coming out telling yep. everybody that it was Sanaa, yeah. well, you know, alluding to that. Alluding to it, yeah. Um, you know, when Cardi B and Nicki Minaj had their fashion week scuffle. Yes. I don't know who fought who or how Cardi got that big bump on her head. Right. But Tiffany Haddish was at the party and they were asking her what happened. She was like, I'm not saying nothing, nothing. about nothing. <laughs> I'm her. not talking about it. I'm yeah. not saying anything. So Good I thought her. that was funny. Best thing to stay out of it. Well, I guess. I mean, it was interesting. It's hard to resist asking because it is something you're one is curious about. Well, I mean, you know, it's like when people come and they sit in a chair, you know, with my show, it's entertainment. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's easy to kind of skip around uncomfortable topics. Yes. But then you don't want to look like you're completely a fluff show and not ask something that's like if it had just happened and right. she came You'd have on, had to ask. we would have to yeah, ask. Yeah, because it. it's what people were talking about. But I thought it was fair not to ask the question. Absolutely. But I just wanted to make sure just that she didn't want to talk about yeah. it. You sure now? You sure you don't want to talk about we, it? Before we about to go to commercial break, you sure don't want to talk about that bite? What happened if Liz Winfield wanted to bite you? What would you say about that? Would you bite her? You look delicious, don't you? Just say, I'm just objectively asking a question. <laughs> then no, it's all good. We have some good guests. So and you we guys, love her, by the way. Love and Basketball, one of my favorite movies oh, of all time. She's yes. a great actress. It's like an 18-year anniversary of Love and Basketball. Can you imagine? I feel so I old. I, I know, but every time it comes on, I love that movie. I would love a sequel. It would be amazing to have a sequel to that movie. If they're doing sequels, that's one I, I would I watch. I definitely don't want to see it as a remake. I don't no. want anyone to remake it. cannot it. remake it. Leave it alone. It's perfect the way it is. The way that it is. Every yeah. time it comes on, I watch it from start to finish. Agreed. I love, love, love that Soundtrack movie. is amazing. Ah, uh, Fool of Me is one of my favorite songs. Mm. That's my cool down song when I, whenever I do manage to work out. Speaking of working out, <laughs> what a great <laughs> It's very segment. rare. Speaking of working out, yes. you are refocusing your eating habits. I'm re-upping. You know, what happened? I'm re-upping. So my diet has kind of gone south because I've been cheating, you know, drinking the cocktails. Um, is every, it just the cocktails? No, because every so often I've snuck a, you know, a little bread, a little fry, a little fry here little fried and there, chicken sandwich. a little fried chicken sandwich. Last week I did have that. Mm. You saw that. And yeah. I was like, I don't like this as mm -hmm. I'm finishing the last bite of it. <laughs> but you ate every, and I bite ate every bite of the sandwich you hated. I, did. I might have left one bite though. No. No. You ate it all. I ate it all. So, I mean, so I've been cheating. And so the problem is, like, I've done so well. And I got an eight pounds from my goal weight last year before my birthday. Oh. And now I'm creeping back up. I don't know what my weight is because my scale battery is broken. I refuse. is, is out. <laughs> dead. So I refuse to replace the battery because I don't want to know. Uh, I'm afraid to find out. But I know I've gained weight again. But if so. you put the battery in, then that will be incentive for you to say, That's true. okay, I'll step on it. Here's and where we are. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm basically back trying to refocus myself. So I am having sparkling water instead of Prosecco and St. Germain. It's very tempting, but I'm not going to have it. I'm in complete protest. I know. This. I get it. I'm, and and Prosecco is not bad. It's not. You. you should have a little vodka. Let me get you a glass of vodka. No, so that has low calories. That's true. It's low calorie. But in this moment, what I'm trying to do is just step down for just two weeks. No alcohol. No bread. Okay. No carbs at all if i can help it no fruit 
None of that. This is the same thing you were doing before. Same thing I was doing before. So I'm now doing heavy, heavy protein. I start with a 42 gram, 42 grams of protein shake in the morning with my supplements because okay. I can't swallow pills. Because this is under doctor's orders, right? It's a doctor thing, right? Yeah. I haven't been back to the doctor in a while because he's really tough. And if I went in there, he'd be like, really? You're weighing it. You're putting your own spin on it. I'm putting my own spin on it because okay. if I went back, he would, you know, Dr. Siddiqui would be just like, are you serious right now? <laughs> are you this fluffy? You fluffy like this again? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I don't want to go, oh, stay up, marshmallow girl. You're back. <laughs> I don't want that. So, um, so basically, Basically, we're, we're going with the same plan. Okay. And I still have some of the food left. Oh, okay. So it's heavy protein, lots of green vegetables. So for the morning, this morning I had a um, three egg like omelet um, with just the eggs and just some mushrooms and then spinach. But and you that's cook it. it in olive oil? You can do it in olive oil. Olive oil is in the diet. You can okay. actually just have cooking oil. It's okay. as long as you don't put a lot. Because a butter. lot of people will just cook eggs and butter and it's just the worst decision. It's the worst thing. You, you just can't touch butter. To. And you don't have to have any milk. And so now I experimented for the first time today. Uh, one of our mutual friends, one of my coworkers, very kindly brought me a bottle of really, a cup of really high quality coffee. Because mm -hmm. I'm trying to learn to drink coffee without cream in it. Because you're also oh. supposed to not drink cream. Right? I so that. I did the coffee with one Splenda. It was a really good cup. You don't have to spend a little more for really good coffee, so yeah. it tastes good, um, with one Splenda. So that's my new plan. Why don't you do like an almond milk or a coconut milk or something like that? In this particular diet, you can't have that either because almonds have carbs. Mm, okay. Coconuts have carbs. And you so you're doing this carbs. for two weeks? Two weeks. Okay. Why just two weeks? Why Be not to the end of the year? Just to jumpstart it because then I figure if I can get through the rest of September, get through that then october is good into the candy area at the end of the month <laughs> and then november is hell month because then you have the, all the food holidays come after right that. so if i can kick start it and start to lose a little weight it incentivizes me to keep going i'm going to get you for the month of, De of november to join me on my vegan i was challenge. afraid you were going to mention that yeah, because <laughs> november is national vegan month it is so it'd be a okay. good time for you to just dig in but can i get thanksgiving off though thanksgiving because i don't is think the day off okay because i don't want a tofu turkey off. a tofu turkey might make me cry but think about all the sizes you can have if they don't have animal products in there you don't have to have the turkey but what else would i have it's thanksgiving see, it's thanksgiving that's, time that's the thing that we're just so trained and conditioned to eat meat but now i've gotten to the point right. where i don't miss meat. the turkey wants you to eat it on thanksgiving it it's the reason not. it lives it the has turkey, no other purpose the turkey has children it has no other purpose the it, children also are there to be eaten they are not to be that's why eaten. they're born it's not true that's what the pilgrims say it is not true the pilgrims gonna, did the pilgrims did tell a few lies <laughs> i'm gonna stipulate Thank you. That they were dishonest all in a lot started of ways with those white people <laughs> that came here. And they were just like, let's just have dinner together. Right. It's going to be fine. And, and the Native and, Americans and are take like, take the land from the Native <laughs> Americans. And we'll be taking all your land. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. You don't necessarily have to have turkey. You can change it. And, you know, we used to do the combination West Indian dish one yeah, where we would have curry and roti stuff, right? and all kinds of I can't eat any of that. Like, roti is off the table. Curry has potatoes in it. Yes. Um, and meat. So if I'm vegan, I can't do that if I'm doing a vegan month. So it really, I don't know what my Thanksgiving food will be. I have plenty of suggestions Just sweet potatoes? Recipes for it. Sweet potatoes. You can have greens. That's you can not have Thanksgiving. Kale. It is Thanksgiving. Some collard sweet greens. potatoes and collard greens, that's your Thanksgiving You can meal? have a macaroni salad if you want to. You can have, you can have, have vegan mac and cheese. They this doesn't vegan. sound like a happy Thanksgiving. You just have trust. But you can, look, for Thanksgiving, you can eat what you want. But leading up to that, I want you to okay. try some sides made vegan style. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll do some experiments. Maybe we can bring some things here. Yes. To the we'll Moxie. We'll do that. <gasps> to our little idea. home in the Moxie. Yes. We'll have them create it. They have a great corn we've tried that we can do like a fun corn yes, thing. See? So we'll come up Fried with some okra. good recipes. Fried okra. I don't There's like so, okra. You don't. I know. And, and our gumbo is so, so, so important to the black people. You don't community. like gumbo? I don't like okra. But you don't have, have, have to have okra in your gumbo. Right. I had somebody make a gumbo one time that didn't have okra in it. Yeah, and I liked it, but it's not authentic. 
I mean, listen, you can yeah. leave different ingredients out. People make different, have different ways of making gumbo. You that's can true. leave it out and still have flavorful, delicious that's gumbo. True. And I've had that in New Orleans. Yeah, great city. Great food city. All right, so that's the plan. So if you see me on the street with a, uh, a donut or a carb in my hand, slap, slap it out of her hand. Slap it out of Don't my hand. Don't slap her. No. Just the food. Slap the food. Yeah, and I will forgive you for two weeks. <laughs> After that, you see me with a cheeseburger. Don't come near me. I don't want to hear it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. So, how are the Emmys? So many things going on. Yeah, I miss the Emmys. So, you have to tell me, how were the Emmys? Well, the Emmys were interesting. Okay. A lot of folks are criticizing um, Colin Jost and Michael Che from Saturday Night Live. Um, who do Weekend Update Why? were the host. Yeah. Um, Lauren Michael was the executive producer. Okay. So I had a lot of Saturday Night Live-esque moments. Yep. There were a lot of cast members, past and present, from Saturday Night Live. Sure. A lot of skits. You know, it felt yep. that way. There was one called Reparations Emmy. Now, so you showed me that one that earlier. I thought it was hysterical. Was the best um, skit Don or funny moment of the night. Best John Witherspoon is hilarious. It was so good. But Tashina I'm, Arnold, awesome. Love her. I love her. Love right? Her. You if you haven't seen this, go on YouTube or wherever it is and watch um Reparations Emmys. It was yep. so funny. Kadeem Hardison. Kadeem Hardison. Who else? JJ Jimmy Walker. Right, Jimmy Walker. It was like all the classic sitcom black people. It was amazing. Marla Gibbs. Marla Gibbs was the opener, yes, right? And he yes. said it she he messed up. She messed up every service job that he ever tried to have because Michael Che was to like, like her. he was trying to act like her and that's that's fair I get it it was good but it was good fortunately they spent like they have this opening number uh called something like uh we we did it or something saying they finally achieved diversity right in the world of television mm -hmm. um and specifically when it comes to award shows but then after that was their opening number, the first nine Emmy Awards were all to white people. Oh. You know, and it took a while to get through those awards. And then as the night went on, only three uh, people of color won, won awards. Regina King won one. I Regina saw that King, on Thandie Newton. Yeah, love I'm her. for Westworld. Which is genius if you haven't watched it. Such a great show. Love, and her character is my favorite character in Westworld. She's yeah. badass. And uh, RuPaul won for Come his on, reality show. Yes. Um, and what's his name from the assassination of Gianni Versace? Uh, Darren Chris. Okay. He won, but he has said publicly, so I've read, he, he's half uh, Filipino, but he right. does not consider himself Asian American. So How's they, that work? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. So they didn't include So he's doing him. like a Tiger Woods, Coblin Asian kind of persuasion I, I don't, situation. No, I don't, I don't think from what I've read. Right. I've never seen a quote from him or yeah. heard him say it, but yeah. this is what I've read, yeah. that he doesn't consider himself Asian American. He doesn't, mm -hmm. like, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know, know what, what the other half is if he's half Filipino. But I know he's going to regret that when Crazy Rich Asians 2 comes out because Hello. that's such a huge hit. Huge I'm hit. Sure. And there was, he's like, I need to rethink this Absolutely. Whole. And there was some controversy because the very handsome uh, star of Crazy Rich Asians, so I'm going to forget his name, uh, he's half white and half Asian. Yeah. Um, and so some people were like, he's maybe not Asian enough for the role. But he's, first of all, he's gorgeous. Second, yeah. And he has an incredible accent. Um, and I think for at least... You know, friends of mine who are Asian American were so happy that just the representation, because there are as bad as it, as it is for black folks, for African Americans, and trying to get equal representation on screen. I think for Asian Americans, it's even worse. Well, it's, they had their first um, Asian person nominated for a dramatic acting role, Sandra yeah. Oh, right for Killing Eve, mm -hmm. this amazing series that she's so good in. She's the first. Um, Asian um, person to have a nomination as a lead role right. in a drama. And that's in 2018? And then she Come lost on. to Claire Foy oh. 
um, from the crown. For the crown. And I mean, if you go on social media, people are living very upset Even though, let's about just it. be real, Claire Foy is brilliant in the crown. She's great, but Sandra Oh. But Sandra, I haven't seen it, so we'll have to see you it. You have to see it. And it's, we need more representation. And it can't just be a black white di um, dichotomy because there are so many can. Latinos, Asian Americans, there are all these actors who are, A, trying to get work. And if you're not creating roles that are different and dynamic and interesting, if you're always casting people in stereotypical roles, yeah. you're not giving people a chance to stretch. So that's my, that's my TED talk. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny, and I, I, I'm going to forget this actress's name. I want to say it's uh, Sorry You, Sorry You uh, Blue. She's on a new Amy Poehler NBC. Amy Poehler produced NBC show mm -hmm. called I Feel Bad. Okay. Um, and she's the lead uh, character. It's a half hour comedy. Right. Um, and she's playing a mother who just has kids, a mm -hmm. husband, her parents are there, um, but she's Indian. Hmm. And the the publicity team and the way that they're promoting the show, they don't want to bring up the fact that she's Indian. Um, yeah, they, they don't want to talk about it at all. They just want to present it as another American family, right. which I thought was really interesting. I like mean, they don't, they don't want you to ask a question about, about that. that fact. Interesting. Well, I mean, and there's, I can, I can sort of say, depending on what it is, I mean, I was just going to bring up Into the Badlands, which I don't know if it was nominated for anything. Mm -mm. It's one of my very favorite shows on TV, AMC, an amazing show. And the star of it is a guy named Daniel Wu, mm -hmm. who stars in it, and it is not you know, emphasize that he's Asian American, but right. he is, and him being the lead is so different and so revolutionary. Yeah. He just looks different, is different, and, and I love that show because of it. It's a show that is incredibly diverse. His love interest is African American. She looks like mixed African American. And it's just a show that like combines all these people because it's supposed to be the future, the just, far off future, where supposedly them. that wouldn't matter as much right. well, when it's all think. a dystopia, yeah. when everyone's in the shitter. Yeah, but then look at Lord of the Rings. That was... <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but that's mess. Middle Earth, so that's before. That's like a way, still, way in the past. You know right. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's still just yeah, no little black hobbits. fiction yeah. that they had an opportunity to create yeah. anything. No black hobbits. No black hobbits. No black hobbits. Is but the thing that, you know, just uh, bothers me about the Emmys is that they continue to ignore, you know, work from Ava DuVernay. You know what I mean? How is Queen Sugar? Can I just Did how Queen is Queen Sugar? Sugar? No, for has nothing. Has it ever won an Emmy? Never been nominated. Okay. Then there shouldn't be an Emmys because this I is one know. of the most beautifully shot, beautifully directed, brilliantly written, brilliantly acted. Yeah. Have any of the actors ever won? Nothing. No I one's ever been that. nominated. I don't accept that. I don't accept that. I will. Not. Okay, then I don't accept that. Right. You can't. That's crazy. This is if no. If you all have not watched Queen Sugar, even if you're just an image nerd and you yeah. just care about visuals, oh. this show is gorgeous. It looks like a feature film. It Every week they Every give week. you a feature, film. and it's the most beautifully lit black people I've ever seen. Because you know, lighting different shades and yes. skin tones can be really challenging. Yes, it can, honey. When I tell you these people all look gorgeous and beautiful, the costume gorgeous. design is fabulous. Each character's costumes are perfect for their character every time. Spot on, never miss. The hair, the, the natural hair, the natural every, hair, every aspect beautiful. of it. I mean, it's, and, and just the, the vistas. It's shot in uh, Louisiana. Yeah. And so it's got these vast, beautiful vistas. It's shot gorgeous. I don't and know, I can't believe it. the stories that it tells, you know, from yeah. the black community, it covers so much, but in a way where it doesn't feel like it's preachy no. or really trying to teach you it's a lesson subtle, or anything. It's smart. It's beautiful. It's beautifully done. No, and nothing for Greenleaf? Nope. You got Lynn Whitfield starring in a thing and it's never been nominated for anything? Come on now.
Uh-uh, I know. Clarence. I know. Uh-uh. So, you know, they're Wrong. out here making all these Bad. jokes about Oscars, um, you know, being, I mean, Oscars, Oscars so white. Emmys being, well, <clears throat> I mean, Emmys so white. Yeah, Emmys so white, but it, it just fell flat. A lot of people are criticizing the show in general, but it wasn't great. And, and Regina King won, but the, it seems like the go to is they'll say, well, but we, but Regina King, well, Regina King is one brilliant genius actress. She there is. are so many genius actresses of color. And, and this was her fourth win, and it was for seven seconds on Netflix. Which I've heard is good. It's, brilliant yeah i, I loved that. it so much but it, it was only one season so that was come bad. on clarence Mm-mm, people that's wrong i can't okay so we yeah. got to move on to yes. the super bowl and these yes. rumors um that are coming from some very reliable sources that and this is in NFL, your stomping ground so y'all know you, you have feelings very uh, many feelings that um nfl and nike mm-hmm. are going to have maroon five led by adam levine as the, <laughs> the super bowl halftime show and people are living in it. Now, does Maroon 5 have any, have any connections to Atlanta? I don't even think so. Yeah. And when you talk about Atlanta being one of the music capitals. Jermaine Dupree. I mean, let me look. I made a list. Oh, ooh, okay. I made a list of, because, okay. Luda. Ludacris, mm-hmm. right? Yes, ma'am. Outcast. Oh. Usher. Mm. TLC. Come on. Childish Cambino Come on. grew up in Atlanta. And his show is called Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay. Sierra, mm. Escape, Arrested Development, 112. Even though they're from Atlanta, they made a show, made a song called Tennessee. What I was that about? Somebody in there. Jagged is Jermaine Dupree. Don't you crusher. love Jagged Tony Edge? Tony Braxton. Janelle oh, Monet. Oh. Lil John. Mm. What? Okay. Okay. <laughs> What? And then, you what? know, people who I don't know their music, but right. they're, you know, Gucci Mane, um, Gu- <laughs> I don't know, Lil Scrappy, Future. Well, how do you pass up Lil Scrappy? Um, Yin Yang Twins. <laughs> I don't even know if they're still performing, are they? I don't know. And then you Migos. You had a chance to get Migos, Lil Scrappy but Migos. you said no. Yeah, Migos, that's true. Yes. I don't believe, if you, first of all, out of that group that you said there's all kind of amazing artists, but if you have access to Usher, just on the basis of not just his catalog but his performing a bit because part of the super bowl is performing yes! usher ludicrous ludicrous and you could have combined a lot of those different groups tlc come on what creep come on come on they could mm-mm. and they could the two the two surviving members could have come out they you could have added sierra or any third person to there's it there's so much that they could have done with this halftime in a show. black musical city outcast like atlanta alone you could have done outcast what? sorry miss jackson come on okay come on yeah. Wrong. Right. And also, you're not taking advantage of the venue. If you're in, if you're in Detroit, you would do Motor City. You would yeah. try to find people who are related Motown. to the Detroit music scene yes. or Motown. Yes. If you were in, I don't know, New York, you'd try to get Jay Z. If you were in Minneapolis, you would put Prince on a sheet. You would. You, and it would be wrong <laughs> every, every goddamn time. <laughs> How damn, you put prints on it, bitch? Damn, Justin Timberlake. Come on, Justin. But my thing is, mm. the majority and, of the players. I'm still mad about Janet. League, I'm sorry, you just brought my feelings. I know, feelings, I know. I'm sorry. Feelings. Who used to live Ooh. in Atlanta when she was dating Jermaine? When Debris. she was dating Jermaine, you could have had Janet. And her also, back. you want to go big. Not that Maroon Five isn't important. And no, obviously, and I they're love, a good group. I love, I love Adam Levine. Listen, I love him. Lost Star is one of my favorite songs. But is that like the Super Bowl? Usually, is like you know they have Prince or you have Bay. You need to have someone who. Can walk into a huge arena like a Beyonce or Bruno Mars right. and just command it. Like entertain, 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 entertain. Right. Maroon Five is more of an acoustic kind of smaller venue smaller club, smaller venue kind Intimate. of thing. But yeah. 
it's just this tone deafness of the NFL. Just yeah. that, you know, it's like at one. And Nike I'm was mad, involved? but then why am I surprised? No, Pepsi. Oh, Pepsi. Okay, because I was Pepsi. Nike would have known better. Why be surprised after everything? It's just. It, but it's like like they're saying, you know what? We don't care, and fuck you. And it's and the problem with for the NFL right now. I I know a lot of of black people who are boycotting the NFL. I don't think I could particularly watch an NFL game right now. But there, I, there are a lot of people who still watch, who still watch and still go to the games. Who still go to the games. Yeah. But you I know, think, we don't know how to boycott. No, it's true. We don't. It's true. But you do still have this moment where the NFL wants to be this middle America thing, right? Yeah. Where the reason that Janet Jackson was, was really, you know, kind of had her career almost destroyed, it was is that there destroyed. was a sense that it's this middle America, all American, you know, Midwestern focused yeah. event, and that we don't want it to be too black or too, right. that's why people got mad at Beyonce, because they're like, we don't want it to be too radical, which is why they get, people get so mad when the players kneel to protest uh, police killings. But it's but like majority of those players listen to this type of music. Correct. So it's like it's it's like a finger to them, yeah, and it's like a finger to the, the majority of the people that are watching. This Isn't this similar to back? Remember back in the day when the NBA used to only play rock music? Yes, and people used to say, "Why are you playing rock music when ninety percent of these players are black?" Yeah, they still do that in Madison Square Garden at the Come Knicks on. games. I'm How are you in not there just like, playing Jay Z? Girl, they're playing Sweet Home Alabama and Come all on. kinds of craziness Stop. up in there. I'm like, Come who's on. who? What? What's happening? But the crazy. audience at Madison Square Garden is mostly white. The people who can afford the tickets because right. they also but make you the go tickets to Phillips too Arena expensive. in Atlanta for yeah. a Hawks game. It's black people. Child. They all but soul clapping and so up in mo- there. When Maroon 5 comes on, the line at the bathroom is going to be so long, no one's going to be able to pee. And I love Maroon 5. I do. But it's just not the, it's not the right event for them to no. headline. But the, the final decision hasn't has not been made. These yeah. are rumors that are seeping out. But you, And I am not satisfied with a Maroon 5 headliner. And then they're and like, then and then bring out yeah Cardi B and other Make people. Look, uh-uh. yeah. And Cardi no. B is from the Bronx. Like she's she's associated with New York. Listen, she's and not I love Atlanta her. either. And I love, love her, Cardi but she's B. not. There are too many artists in Atlanta to even go in that direction. They're everywhere. You're literally in one of the black music cities. Yes, ever like one of the most important black music cities, and you're not going to have. But then again, here's the other question I have for you, Jackie Reed, because you are you know an Atlanta girl mm-hmm. and everything, and also you are an NFL fan as I am. I grew up with watching football. Do we, is there a, some kind of way, let's say, if one of those same Atlanta artists got asked to sing the national anthem? Because it puts them in an awkward position vis-a-vis the community. Right. What, what, what should they do? What if they say, well, we want that Atlanta feel, but we want them to do the anthem? Let Maroon 5 do the national anthem. Boop. <laughs> That's a moment. That's a moment. <laughs> they can do whatever version they want. They can do a little acoustic guitar version. Of, they can of with the, the high voice. Would mm-hmm. he can do his high voice? Ooh, Adam Levine. <laughs> Falsetto, anyone? Yes, he can do it. He can do it. That's Let a good point. That. Let them do that. Yes, let somebody who doesn't feel any kind of way about who it. doesn't have feel because it is an awkward. I have been thinking it's awkward. that it, the most awkward performance to the national anthem probably ever is going to be at the next Super Bowl with this particular president in office and the possibility that players would kneel in protest at the Super Bowl. The person singing that anthem is in a hella awkward position. But you, when it comes to cities in this country, I don't think it gets much blacker than Atlanta. I don't think it does. I well, mean, Washington, D.C., Chocolate City. They had a black mayor in Atlanta for I don't know how long. Good point, good point. Um, but, but they had Marion Barry, who smoked crack and then got reelected. We never had any, well, he's, God rest his soul. He was a great mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Open parks. Uh, no, but listen, you know, there's so many great things um, 
about Atlanta, but one thing that we all know that it is it's a black city. really a black city. Totally. And so to go to go there um, for the Super Bowl and just ignore the fact that there are so many great yeah. black musicians from that town that's yeah. known for its music to me seems like a slap in the face it would be like doing the super bowl in new york and having like garth brooks right. as great as garth brooks is that would be like garth brooks but that's what they would do yeah that's something like I think the what NFL they would, would do that. they would do that yeah. i don't get it but it's just like it's almost like they're saying you know what we don't even want you all to watch the nfl we yeah. don't even want you to be a part of this it does feel like if they, they if they feel they have a hobson's choice between black viewers and you know middle america trump viewers yeah. basically trump voters that yeah. they're making that decision both on the policy they tried to impose on these players where they tried yeah. to control their physical bodies and tell them how you have to stand and where you have to stand yeah. when you have to stand that that to me doesn't even feel like freedom right no, so they, they've already tried to capture their their physical bodies and then find them and punish them if they don't comply with essentially what amounts to forced nationalism which we don't do in america we're not north korea we don't do forced nationalism right supposedly i mean there have been supreme court decisions saying that you can't be forced to do the pledge of allegiance in school but they're saying no we can take these black men these grown adult men and control their physical bodies which that is my big problem with the way the NFL right. behaved but now they're uh, they seem to be saying well we're gonna go to this real black city yeah. don't worry NFL fan we got you we got you we're not gonna <laughs> let this become say, a moment we got no you hop. right no no hippity no hop. hop. right mm -mm, it's gonna none be of very that. clean and then and people, wholesome. and what you keep reading about is that and reading about this maroon five thing is that people keep saying well the nfl wanted to go with the safe choice safe what do they think outcast is going to do I, I have no idea set, they set the field on fire <laughs> let's burn the stadium let's just burn the whole do thing that. down in their own what are they going to shoot somebody in the middle point. of their performance what's a, a safe point. performance right and you and you know that these are extremely popular grammy winning in a lot of cases or grammy nominated yes. artists who are brilliant and who are going to want to represent their city yes and who are going to want to represent themselves and their city ludicrous has been an academy award nominated movie what is usher gonna do come on usher is usher he's just going to give you a phenomenal show and you also have maroon five is in an awkward position they have to top think about the past performances at the super bowl prince Janet, well, even though it was ruined by Justin Timberlake and the whole thing of the weird thing they did. But, um, you know, you've had well, Coldplay. Beyonce. Remember, remember what Coldplay had to do? Oh my because God. When they, and I love Coldplay. Well, I, I love really Coldplay. do. But they had to bring out Beyonce and Bruno Mars. And Bruno Mars. But I'm like, no. I don't, I don't want them to bring people on as guests. Right. No, the main people need to be people yeah. from Atlanta. From Atlanta. That are well-known, established superstars in the music industry. I'm just predicting if they go with Maroon 5, they're going to try to get one of, those, one of those Atlanta stars to do the national anthem. I feel like they would do that. Maroon 5, get out the way. Get out the way. Get out the way. Maroon 5, get out the way. Get out the way. Get out the way. Oh, I love it. This is going to be probably the most political Super Bowl in uh, ever. Oh, people are mad. Even Ludacris is on social media like, say really? what? Yeah, no He's call. like, how did this Phone happen? Ring. Yeah. Yeah, with the Falcons jersey on. It's, it's crazy. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. It really is. If it they is make ludicrous. this decision, uh, I well, can't. We, we also have to talk about the other big controversy, of course, that's going on right now. By the time this podcast airs, uh, we'll be within what, 24 hours of the potential testimony of the woman who's accusing Brett Kavanaugh, who's Donald Trump's latest Supreme Court nominee, um, of assaulting her at a high school party, and this was in, the, in 1982 yeah, when they were both in high school. Assaulting her. Sexually assaulting yeah. her. And the story, first of all, is very harrowing. If you haven't read this story, um, that she t that she finally came out and told in her own name. It had been told anonymously. She wanted to remain anonymous. Correct. And she with wrote a good letter. reason. 
For with very good reason. she's getting death threats and had to move her family now that she's come forward. Correct. And she wrote a letter to Senator Dianne Feinstein and sent it through her congresswoman. And her congresswoman forwarded it on in July mm-hmm. to Senator Feinstein's office. And she, was, she said she wanted to be anonymous. But she describes this incredibly harrowing experience at a party where there were about six people at the party, four to six people at the and party. And she was 15 years 15, old. 15. And Kavanaugh was about 17. He was two years ahead of her in school. She went to an exclusive girls' school. He went into an exclusive boys' school, Catholic school. And supposedly they were at this party and he and a friend named Mark Judge pulled her into a room, according to this woman, pushed her onto the bed uh, and Kavanaugh proceeded to try to pull off her clothes, put his hand over her mouth. They turned up the music so she couldn't be heard screaming. And it was him and another student. Mark Judge, which was his good friend, who said he doesn't want to talk, but he's written books about being a blackout drunk in high school with his friend who he called O. Kavanaugh. But he also wrote a letter um, I think to the committee yes. saying that he does not remember any remember sort of thing like this and it doesn't speak to the, what he knew of right. Kavanaugh during yeah. that time. During the time when they weren't blackout drunk because he also wrote a book saying he was blackout right. drunk with his friend O'Kavanaugh but he says he doesn't remember <laughs> any of that and he also says he doesn't want to testify which is right. to me weird if that's your friend, your homie and you want to help him, you should testify. But yeah. anyway. But um, but she is, she wants to testify but she wants an investigation first. Correct. Dr. By the FBI. Her name is Christina Blasey Ford. She's had a terrible time. She's had to move as you said she's at death, death threats. she's threats. afraid yeah and with good reason i mean in this culture nowadays the first people go right to the death threats it's so crazy <laughs> yeah they go right to the death threats she wants an investigation by the fbi before she testifies she at least wants it looked into because to me and i agree i think there should be an fbi investigation sure. because that way this other student that was supposedly there who doesn't want to testify before congress yeah he does have to talk to the F- FBI right, if there's right. an official investigation. And yeah. it's the way that they can ask questions, mm-hmm. maybe a lie detector test sure. to get to the bottom and of... And she took one. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah. You know, Much but, like Anita Hill back in the day also took and passed a lie detector test, which the Senate at the time... How crazy is that this is just like what happened to Anita Hill, except for this is a white woman this time. And, the, and it is so similar... And a white man. ...that Anita Hill, two days before the end of the Clarence Thomas hearings, she had given an FBI interview. Because what happens when you get nominated to be a Supreme Court judge... A Supreme court justice and i think probably a lot of federal positions is the fbi not only interviews you they interview people who know you work like with a you background you. check they do a background check yeah. and in her background check she disclosed anita hill did these improper contacts where clarence thomas was supposedly pursuing her for dates when she was rejecting him um putting pubic hairs pubic on, coke hair cans. on her coke can or saying yeah. who put it or he wasn't he was saying who put a cubic pubic hair on my coke can and mm-hmm. making other lewd suggestions about porn talking about porn at work all kinds of horrible stuff just inappropriate inappropriate and, she, and for years when they were working together when she was working for him she said that in her fbi interview two days before the thomas hearings end someone on staff leaked on, on one of the congressional staffs leaked her testimony that's how anita hill that's got dragged in out. this is the same thing someone on staff leaked this woman's letter and that and so it's literally the same story almost yeah, except, she for wanted, except for this is assault and this is assault this isn't sexual even just assault. sexual yeah. harassment it's a it's a it's a, an attempted assault is what she's alleging it's it's really when you it's read crazy. the story it's harrowing and more than 900 she this high schools that she went to this all girls high school more than 900 women from before she was a student there to who were students with her there right to, to present day yep. have signed a letter saying we believe you that they believe because you. this is the culture right 
of this school, yeah. uh, you know, of, of this, you know, community, yeah. I guess, because it's a boys school and a girls school and they um, interact a lot. Well, and Kavanaugh released a list, 100 women that he knew in high school, released a letter, which is remarkable to me, that he apparently knew 100 women, or, or there was almost 100 women um, when he was a high school boy, but he went to an all boys school. Mm -hmm. So these would have been girls who went to contiguous schools, but not his school, because it was an all boys school. Yeah. Um, and he has denied vehemently that this happened. He said, she's got the wrong person, it didn't happen. But he also curiously said he wasn't at that party, but she's never said the date or the address of the party. So it's yeah. weird to me, how do you know you weren't at that party? How do you know which party she's talking about? Yeah, how do you Those are know? the kinds of things that he would be asked if there was an investigation. Yeah, you know, and it's funny that he has this group of women, you know, vouching for his character. I think it's 65 women. But yeah. uh, we're 65 women. But, you know, I remember I dated this guy early um, on in college who was, you know, really nice. We lived in two different cities, so we didn't get to see each other a lot. And I can't even remember why we ended up, it just ended up not working out, but we just mm -hmm. ended up, you know, not, not going for a long, together for a long time. Um, but we did date. A, a bit, you know, maybe for about a, a couple of months or something mm -hmm. like that. And I remember after he and I broke up, a girlfriend of mine told me, she was like, I didn't want to say anything at the time because um, I didn't know how to say it. She said, but he um, was accused of beating this girl nearly to death. And oh he had God. to drop out of school. And I never saw that side of him. Right, right, right. So just because, you know, you see one side of somebody doesn't right. mean that they're not capable of carrying out something like sexual assault. Right. You don't know. You don't know. You Especially don't in know. High school, you think about how well you knew the people other than your close friends. Yeah. How well did you know just the random person that was in your grade? Right, that right? Who went home to their parents at night. You know. It wasn't like even on a college campus no. where you're all living amongst mm -hmm. each other. You were going home to your own home. Yes. So it, it would be, well, we'll see if she testifies. So Christine Blasey Ford is afraid to testify, but she's now um, trying to negotiate with the committee. For some reason, the Republican control committee, which is all white men, yeah. 11 men, Crazy. no women on their side. There are women and people of color, including um, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, um, and uh, Maisie Hirano, who's incredible from Hawaii, Amy Klobuchar, there's like a very diverse panel of, of 10 Democrats versus a very white male panel, just to be yeah. blunt. And so the Republicans are concerned about the optics of 11 white older men testing, mm -hmm. you know, interrogating this woman while the other side has this incredible diversity questioning her. So right. they're even thinking about having their female staff do the questioning. Are you serious? This is this is one of the things that's been floated, is maybe female staff should do it so that it's not just these 11 white guys. Um, or maybe bringing in like a Kelly Ayotte, a former, which to me is extraordinary. Why didn't you just put women on the panel? Right. There are Republican women in Congress, right. in the Senate. Why didn't yeah. you just put one of them on the Judiciary Committee? It's crazy. In the first place. Well, I I wonder what will happen because she's still considering whether still or not considering. she wants to testify. I wonder if she does not testify, if they will just go on. I think they will. Yeah. I mean, what Republicans are indicating is that they've given her an, an incredibly short deadline. They said you have to not only show up by Monday, but tell us by Friday. Deadline. I think 10 a.m. Friday, tell us whether you're coming. And then they're going to use, if she says no, and that's too soon, to say, well, we gave her a chance. Yeah. We're putting them through. But I think that that's a lot of pressure given everything that she's going through right now. Her family family is just, her life it's in turmoil. is in turmoil. That's why she didn't want to come forward. I mean, her family is basically in hiding, and she's having to deal with a death threats and all of this, and yeah. now you're forcing her to On come this forward and talk about something that she really, publicly, yeah. that she really didn't, wasn't comfortable talking with 
talking about in the first place. And that she's talked about years ago in therapy. Her, she's yes. talked with her therapist. She's talked with her husband. So she's something that she's, it's not that she's just bringing this up for the first time in 30 something years. Right. She's talked about it over the years. Yeah. It's just that now she'd have to be in a room with him. And that's another thing I think that people are being uh, cavalier about. If you're asking her to come in on Monday and he's there too, yeah. for a lot of women who've that's been victims of sexual assault, it's not only uncomfortable, it's something they can't face. It's traumatic. It's trauma. It can be he hasn't been, She hasn't been in the same room with this man since then. And if, if she, if what she's saying, alleging is true, you're asking her to be in the room with somebody who terrifies her. Yeah. And so that's uncomfortable. Do I you mean, think they, she should testify if they don't do an FBI investigation? You know, I have to say that I think the country wants to hear from her and is longing to hear from her. But I also think that she should testify at a time when she's comfortable. And I don't see any deadline. Monday is not a real deadline. They're making it up. What's, there is no deadline. What's the rush? We're well, they want to do it before midterm elections. They want to do it before the midterms. We're going to talk about this on the show this weekend because there's all sorts of possibilities. One is that there's a new Supreme Court session that starts October 1st, and they want him seated quickly because there must be cases in there where they want five conservative votes and they want it in place. Mm-hmm. It could be that. It could be that they just want mm-hmm. to get it over with before the midterms and they don't want the backlash, the inevitable backlash from women voters to hit them. They want enough space for it to blow over. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? They weren't in a rush with uh, Merrick Garland, though. They left that they left that seat open for eight months, and said that they would leave it open for four years if Hillary Clinton won. They yeah. said oh, President Obama basically had no right to see the Supreme Court justice because there was an election in eight months. There's an election in what forty something days. And they control. And they're saying, right you know what, double control. standard. But they're like, mm, well, Lindsey Graham care. said, if you don't like it, win elections. That's what he said. So you know what. Democrats should just go ahead and win elections and see what they say then. I've become such a cynic. I think whether she testifies or not is not going to make a difference. I think they're still going to improve him, and I think he's going to highly likely. There are a few. I don't know what could happen. Well, there are a few senators who are under a lot of pressure to vote no anyway. So Lisa Murkowski of, of Alaska, because of the great Maisie Hirano, who came out with a brilliant strategy, which was to say, do you believe that uh, Pacific Islanders in Hawaii, where she represents, right. are real indigenous people deserving of rights? Because your past ruling suggests you don't. And by the way, you don't think that about Native Alaskans either, right. which was a big ping, 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 ping yeah. to Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski, who immediately was inundated with the Alaskan natives who are a huge voting bloc, who put her in office. Mm-hmm. When she lost her primary, she lost a primary to a Tea Partier. She ran again as a write-in. You know how hard it is to write, run as a write-in, especially when your name is Murkowski and people have to spell <laughs> it right or it's invalid? Right. They put her back in. The Alaskan natives got her her job and they're saying do not vote for him so she's very shaky as a vote then you got susan collins who's having opponents fundraise and say we will raise millions of dollars to defeat you if you vote for him because of roe v wade Mm -hmm. so there are two who are on the fence even though i always feel like susan collins isn't really on the fence she likes to portray herself as on the fence more than she might really be murkowski i think really is yeah and then you've got tim scott who people aren't talking about him but this is an african-american senator who has in the past voted against said he would vote against a republican nominee because of his past racial views and Mm -hmm. kavanaugh's racial views are interesting too so there's some and flake jeff flake who loves to get the the, you know lauding of the media by saying he's an independent thinker even though he still votes for all the judges but you never know he said he's uncomfortable, and that if he did what she said he did, he couldn't vote for him. So yeah. it's not 100% certain he would get through, but it's mm. more likely than not. But if he gets through, you've seen the cover of Time, the ghost of Clarence Thomas looms over him, no matter what happens. This story ain't going away. Swing low, <laughs> sweet chariot, coming for to carry, carry me home. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet low. Mm-hmm. 
sweet, sweet champion, coming for to carry me home. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we're, we're practicing being I know, old we ladies. Are. Yes, this is our, our old ladies. <laughs> Please welcome our guest. Clay Kane. Hi, Clay. Hey. Hi, Clay. Read and read. Wait, yes. and you brought you came bearing gifts. Yes, I have my book, Live Through This, little plug, Surviving the Intersections of Sexuality, God and Race. So it's Thank a good you. plain read. Yes. It's a collection of essays. You'll cry, you'll laugh, you'll I be love engaged. That. We like to cry and laugh. Yeah, we do. It's a we lot. like to do it all. So wait, I must talk about the cocktails we have here. And you know, Joanne is opting not to have cocktails today. <laughs> Temporarily it's dieting. For, for two for a week. Two, two weeks. weeks. Okay, whatever. I'm doing nice. a, I'm doing a mega diet. Yeah, but you're mm. missing the Germain, the Saint Germain. But yeah. Clay was nice enough to to uh, have some today because this is your favorite. My favorite cocktail I, I, ingredient. I, I love a prosecco. I love a Saint Germain. This is my favorite. So I'm here with two beautiful women and a cocktail. I'm happy. And this <laughs> is our favorite. Yeah, yeah. There we go. See, we're, it's we're our connected. favorite cocktail. It's our favorite yeah. cocktail. Oh, there we go. See, we're connected. See, no, maybe you two are a cousin. Uh, hey, hey. We'll have to check the lineage and we'll see. do a twenty three and me. But you were saying um, before we started the show that you cannot drink vodka because I was suggesting for calorie sake, Saint Germain and vodka is the way to go. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's low calorie, yeah. but you can't do vodka. I get an instant headache with vodka. For some reason, I can't tolerate vodka. I'm a tequila guy, and tequila is uh, very simple. strong. I, it really is. It, <laughs> I love a frozen margarita. I love mm. any kind of margarita, but it just I, vodka. I get an instant headache. So you and I have an guy. exorcist moment if I have tequila. <laughs> oh. Same here. Right back up. Mine too. I throw really? it up. Really? Yeah, because the first time I ever got really, really drunk was mm-hmm. freshman year in college, and it was tequila shots. And every time I drink it, it's, or even smell it, yeah. it makes me nauseous. Uh-huh. And also, did you ever have castor oil as a kid? Did your mom ever make you take castor oil? No, when you, yeah, when you got sick. Yeah. Are you West Indian? Yeah. Do you have a Caribbean background? No, but, you know. He's they, heard they, they try, thing. Just poor folks. They try yeah. everything. So, <laughs> we used to have the Ajax line up, right? All three of us, once a month, and, my, and with that spoon, and you, uh, uh, yes. and your mother, just, just take it. You yeah. had to, and we had to take that spoonful of castor oil. And to me, tequila tastes exactly like castor oil. Oh, no, no. I think it tastes the same. I've never had castor oil, but I can't imagine it tastes like tequila. Or people would be lighting that up. I mean, it's probably cheaper than tequila. (laughs) (laughs) You mean no sugar with that castor oil? Right, the castor oil. Baby, don't get no, don't go to the liquor store. I got some castor oil. The brothers on the corner will be outside like, yo, man, let me get that castor oil. Get that castor oil, baby. Get me back in the game. In a brown paper bag on the corner. It would change the game of everything if it actually tasted like tequila. I cannot imagine. Get that salt on the rim, baby. <laughs> That's hilarious. Kids everywhere turned up on the elementary school yard drinking castor oil. With the castor. Oh, God, we're no, just giving them ideas. I know, but it's good to have you, Clay, because a couple of uh, episodes ago, we were talking all about you oh. and your interview that went viral uh, with Miss um, Omarosa. The Honorable Omarosa. The Lady Omarosa. Yes, Minister Pastor. Omarosa. Yeah. The Honorable okay. Minister. Pastor. Yes. Doctor. Reverend. <laughs> Reverend Dr. Omarosa. She does it all. She does it all. So um, what's been the aftermath of that for you before we get into what actually happened? You know, it's funny. I have had so many people reaching out to me saying, Thank you for asking those questions. You know, I, I, I appreciate you. Thank you for asking those questions. Here's the thing. In all of my years of being in media, being a journalist, I have never had an interview like that before. I mean, I've never experienced that. And, you know, she got upset with me. But the common denominator is Omarosa, whether it's Joanne Reed, whether it's Ed Gordon, whether it's Simone Sanders, whether it's Wendy Williams. Mm. The common denominator is her. And I personally feel like she has an issue with black media. There was one point in my interview with her, she was jumping to almost like campaign Trump talking points. 
she brings up Hillary Clinton and super predators. Really? And, yeah, she, she did it in the. It was, I was like in the most recent yeah, interview. In my interview with her, yeah, she. I brings, thought she was past all of that. That's what I thought too. But then I realized, and then she said, you know, nobody would sit down with me and explain what Trump could do for the African American community. You know, no one went, and I said, oh. You are you still have the issue with black media? Well, well, can I say I think she also has an issue with the Clintons. Did you did you? I don't know if you've read the, her book, but her book is interesting in the sense that she goes into one of the questions I had for her during the campaign is what happened because she worked for she the, was a Democrat. She worked for Al Gore I, during the Clinton administration. When I first met Omarosa years ago, she took me to Bill Clinton's office in Harlem. Yeah, she was a she Clinton was working person. there, yeah. and she worked there, and so and I think she worked in the office of public liaison in the vice president's office. She walks through the book the way that she fell out with the Clintons, the way she became disillusioned with them. So that is one of the things that she talks about in the book. I mean, she had a genuine break with the Clintons. Yes. And it's real. So, I mean, if I can see her breaking with Trump, but also still having an issue with the Clintons once you read the book. But my thing is, and, and, and you all that chime in on this, my thing is, she may feel that way, and I know she addressed it in the book, but right now, I say that she's on this apology tour with Absolutely. Black America. So is now really the time? It may be in your book, but to bring it up in an interview? It was, that was what was, see, was and one of the things she explains on Rose in the book is that she is a pageant person. She comes from that beauty pageant world. So that poise, that very studied yes, demeanor that she yes. has, the very put together look. So she is, she comes from that. So she's been remarkably restrained, even in the interview with me. Yeah. Even at the end of the interview. you were asking tough questions. When you could tell she was getting uncomfortable because I brought up April Ryan and she didn't yeah. want it, she wanted to stop. I thought she stop. was going to walk off the interview I thought she was going to take her mic off, but yeah. she, she held it in. For some reason with you and your serious XM interview, she lost her composure. And I haven't actually seen her curse anyone out in the interview. She cursed you out. She even like denigrated your hair, which is lovely. Said I had a jerry curl, but yeah. it's nice, right? Is this great? It is nice. Can I have some stay soft fro if you want some. Exactly. <laughs> is it a Donnie's yeah. rejuvenation curl? <laughs> right, right listen. No, no. Uh, you know, well, I think what it was, I was asking her tough questions and then she was refusing to answer. And then Omarosa, her, what she does is she turns the interview on you. She starts asking you questions. So she's getting really upset. After about April Ryan. I even asked her, I said, what's the deal with Diamond and Silk? Are they sincere? Are, um, or is this, is this just an, an act? That's a good she, question. She really couldn't answer that. Question her about bow down, and we're going on and on. Then she goes, what's your point? What's your point? So at this point, you're turning it on me. You're, you're, you're getting louder. So I answered her question. I said, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you didn't think Trump was a con artist. And I believe you're a con artist as well. And I'm speaking for a lot of African-Americans feel that way. Because I felt like, at this point, you're asking me a question, so now I'm going to answer you. And I tried to ask her more after that. She just goes off the handle. And she's, she's, she's getting loud, and she calls me ignorant and gutter, and I'm on a plantation, and uh, I couldn't afford her, and, Wait. you know, petty black people. Yes, it got... It got I racial, hear a lot of it. right? It got racial, and then you know, like with Ed Gordon, you know, she was trying with at, at, at NABJC, she was trying to talk over me and talk over me. I'm like, I'm not on my own show. I'm not gonna let you do this. She wouldn't leave. She insisted upon me ending the show with her there. And then she was recording you. Then she pulls out her phone and, <laughs> and is recording me. And me, I she find does. it, I find it kind of funny. I'm just sitting back, like you know. What were you thinking? I was when just, all of this was going on. I was thinking, wow, you're the same person. Because here's my thing. If you want to go on an apology tour with Black America, we have to see some acts of contrition. And the, the thing she's gotten credit for is that, well, she's released these mixtapes, as we call them, right? But my, my, my issue is, if, if you have information that would impeach the president, 
To save the Republic, you should have released it the minute you heard it. When, when you knew he used the N-word in October of 2016 and you dropped that mixtape a, 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 a few months ago, a few weeks ago rather, why didn't you tell people that immediately before they voted? Because now, now, if you had all this information, we have Brett Kavanaugh. We have young children being torn from their parents at the border. We have voting rights being rolled back rapidly. So if you knew these things, if you really cared, if it wasn't about you and it was about the country in America, then you would drop those mixtapes, quote unquote, the minute they came out. So for me, I feel like she's an, an opportunist. And my intention of the interview was to really understand because I felt like even an unhinged joy, I felt like she would say, I was complicit, I was complicit. But then she would blame Trump for her being complicit. So I couldn't imagine as smart as she is, a girl from the projects, three HBCUs, would really be blindsided by Trump. So I asked fair questions, she didn't like it, and she went off that. I mean, the reality is, is, and I think you can ask this, if you've you know, read the Michael Wolf book, or you've read the new Woodward book, I'm about a third of the way through it, what you get throughout all of the administration is complicity. People yeah. who behind the scenes know that this is wrong. Yeah. They feel like it's wrong, but they go along with it. No one has resigned in protest. Well, they've so she isn't alone. The New York Times op-ed piece. Yes. I mean, they've all but admitted it. They're yeah. admitting They're it. all complicit. So it's not like yeah. she's more complicit than anyone. I mean, literally everyone in this administration could have written that op-ed because they're all leaking to reporters about how bad it is. They knew who he was when he was elected. By the way, so did 65 million people Absolutely. who voted for him. They didn't care. Million. People don't care. That's why I don't believe that she was blindsided. How can you be blindsided and also be complicit? Like, I, I really, it just doesn't really make sense to me. And the difference with, with Omarosa versus, you know, a Sean Spicer is that she, I believe that she's, she's sucked dry her opportunities on the right. You mean besides the fact that her book is actually selling? It's, Sorry, it's number no one, shade, but, but I don't think we bought that book. Yeah. I don't think as far as, I don't think as far as black folks really I know some black folks who got it from the library. Got it from the library. There from you the go. Not the library. The library. The library. Okay. library. <laughs> but I think she wants to getting good with the African-American to, to go on speaking tours. I mean, she's really sucked dry that fan base. I, yeah. I call it a fan base, Trump's fan base. So I think that was really her, inten her intention. And I, if anybody was able to, if she was able to re-expose herself in my interview, that's fine. But that wasn't my intention. My intention wasn't to go viral, it was to go truthful. Yeah. And as I was interviewing her, I could tell, I felt like she was lying to me. I could just see it in her eyes. So you don't think that she really regrets having tied herself to Trump? I don't think so. I think that, I think if, if, she, if she didn't get fired, I think she'd still be she'd there. She'd still be there. And again, 15 years you knew this man. 15 years you knew him. What, if she said, listen, I needed the check. That's why I stayed. I'd be like, you know what? I hear okay. you, girl. <laughs> I get it. You're, you're not some great whistleblower. You know, and but I wonder why she started taping in the first place. Exactly. Why well, I asked her that during our interview, yeah. and I said to her, "Did you begin taping when you started that job with the intention of always writing a book?" Right. And I didn't get a clear answer, but I took from it yes. Yes. So I think she taped because there was going to be a book either way. It's just it was a question of whether the book was going to be positive or negative. But I get the sense, and not, and not just her. A lot of people in Donald Trump's life are recording every minute of their time with him and in his administration because I think people see the upside of being around him is eventual fame, eventual book deal, eventual movie deal. 
And I think everyone thought of him that way. He's like a movable feast of opportunity. Well, and a lot of people were just eating off of it. And I think that's my theory on Omarosa. I don't think that I think that she is a Democrat. I don't think she believed anything. I don't think she's ever Trump changed parties. I, I don't think, think she's yeah. still a Democrat. Yeah, I don't think she believed most of the things that she was saying on the campaign trail in Absolutely. support of Trump. I think she never believed it. I think she wanted to be tied to the White House. I think she saw that this man could go all the way, even if he didn't win. I think that she saw it as a positive to be out on television again talking, you know, for a man that was running for, for the White House. And by the way, neither does Donald Trump. I mean, the thing we have to remember, too, yeah. Donald Trump, if he thought that being a Democrat would make him popular, make him president, he he'd be did. that. Like, he only believes in a couple of things. We know that there is a real racial issue there with him yes. that's reflexive. He's not faking that. No. But all the policy stuff, he don't believe in any of that. I don't think he understands that. didn't either. But, 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 but what I'm saying about Omarosa is I don't think she ever, like, she ever believed any of it. I think that it was all for, I don't know what the purpose was. I, I think the purpose... Well, what I realized in that interview with her, the 20 minutes with her, is that her and Trump have a lot of things in common. They're both fame hungry, they're both money hungry, and they're both anti-black. And I, I, I anti-black. You think yeah. she is anti-black? I do. I do. I think you she do? has. I do. I, I, I think she with has. With HBUs under her belt. No, 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 no. You, you could, you could still be in the sunken place. With a black man. You could still be in the sunken place. <laughs> is a sunken be, place at Howard? Yeah, no, no. But you, you could still be in the sunken place <laughs> and not, and not. You know, when they talk about be, being in the cookout or being, or being, you know, wel welcoming to Wakanda, you could still have all those things. But still, when I mean anti-black, I mean being an opportunist just for her, not for black people, just for her. Not for the culture, not for people, not, not about progressing. Yeah. So I don't, I, I, I think that, and she even said petty black people. So no, you're we, saying we, at the expense of black people, exactly. she's out for her, herself. herself. I, I, do, I, I mm. do not think That's that she really cares about the black community or, or, or progressing. And if she did, why would you defend a racist, sexist president? And as smart as you are, knowing he would dismantle the very fabric of America. So I don't think that is for people. I don't think that is, uh, I see her as somebody who has really embraced white supremacy. Well, in fairness, is that because of the way that interview went? Did you have that opinion of her going into the interview or is the outcome of the interview what's convinced you of that? I really wasn't sure. I walked in saying she's on, she's been rebranding herself. She's being poised and, and you know, delivering herself a certain way. And in that, I felt like she, the way she was yelling, she made a comment about Cheryl Lee Ralph, because uh, Shirley Ralph, Shirley Ralph, uh, I played a clip of of Shirley Ralph saying that Omarosa offered for her to go on the Trump train, and she said, "Shirley Ralph." Shirley Ralph said that Omarosa offered for her to go on the Trump train, and and Omarosa. And Shirley Ralph said, and and, and oh, I'm sure she said, said absolutely she said, bloody she said, I'm no. Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that train, yeah. and then Omarosa says, "You're bringing up an actress, an actress, an actress. That's gutter." I'm like. You're, you're a reality TV star. Right. So for me, this is just my opinion, I don't believe she is for black people. And if you are not for black people, just like a Kanye West, if you're not for black people, if you're a Ben Carson, if you're a Diamond and Silk, that is embracing anti-blackness. Can to I me. just say, how did Kanye West end up in the bucket with Diamond and Silk? Slavery is a choice, I, I mean, according to I'm him. I'm just saying well, that's a far slide. Now that's listen, quite a slide. <laughs> he's gone from late registration to Diamond listen. and Silk. To, to, to Harry he's on Tubman. Their team. Leave the baby alone. He's on their team. He is bipolar. He's on the Trump train. Leave him alone. Thousand percent. He, listen, he's you could be mentally both. ill. And yeah. he's on the Trump leave train. Just saying. That's what they say. I think listen, he genuinely well, likes Trump. I believe that. But I will say the difference is, is that. Kanye didn't get on the campaign trail and tell people to bow down. That's true. You know, he didn't get Fair. on the campaign trail. Uh, he was know. kind of on a fact finding. Let yeah. me meet with him. He after, after he won. Yes. But but you know, someone like Omarosa or Diamond and Silk, 
you know, I think that's that's dangerous propaganda. And I'm okay with you apo apologizing and having your Make America Great Again hat. I'm sorry, you had that hat once upon a time. But what are you going to do now? If Omarosa donated to, to Black Lives Rising, I would feel different. But in the experience that I have with her and so many other black folks in media have had with her, I just don't feel like she is for the community. You know, I have to say, and, and before we move on a little bit, is you know, there, there was a huge challenge that Omarosa wasn't the only person who knew Trump beforehand, who is black and famous, who had a real decision to make. I mean, there are a lot of rappers who were hanging out at Mar-a-Lago. And Steve he was Harvey. friends with Puffy, Steve Harvey. He's friends with, I mean, Don King did go on the Trump train. But you had a lot of hip hop artists. Russell Simmons knows him and came out strongly against him during the campaign. You had people who used to golf with him that came out. I think Samuel L. Jackson said he used to cheat at golf. Like yes. you had a lot, he, because at a certain point in his life, Donald Trump, I think he's the most mentioned of any um, celebrity, white celebrity in hip-hop lyrics he knew all these guys and he would bring them down to Mar-a-Lago in order to tweak the racist sort of community he lived in that didn't want black people and Jews around so he had this weird positioning at one point in his life well, he was where he knew a lot he of black people and he was associated with wealth exactly. with wealth. so so many so for rappers and others exactly they, you know they made that connection because of that so yeah. he was famous and but, popular yep. amongst that group and even in Hollywood yep. because of that think about the movies yep. and television shows and he used to want so of. badly to own an NFL franchise that he used to sort of you know pine after the NFL so it is interesting that those black celebrities oh, yeah. did not support him and I think he was really angry well, because of what so he many. was what he stood for yeah it's yeah. like once he came out on the campaign trail Mexicans the things that he was saying and, and all right. the writing was on the wall everybody told us every that? economist told us yeah every every political you, you told us I tried every week, week. <laughs> so, Malcolm Nance and I did it every week <laughs> right yeah Malcolm oh my gosh you know so many people said it so it's just when when, when I see what she did, I just feel like you knew you wanted to you wanted to jump on the train, and I just think it's so. What I've seen happen to my friends, I have I have friends who are, who are who are who are quote unquote immigrants and the way they've been treated. Just hate crimes are on the rise. When I think about Brett Kavanaugh, it's just it's we're in a really terrifying space. And I say to anybody who was on that campaign trail and advocated for him, there was blood on your hands. There's blood on your hands because I think he's a dang, you know, we can laugh and joke, you know, but he's a dangerous figure. He's a dangerous figure. So, but to Omarosa, it is what it is. If she, yeah. if she had to do what she did to profit or make money, that's fine. But don't sell yourself as some great savior or some great whistleblower. Would you have her back on your show? I wouldn't. And I'll tell you why. Because at the end, she got so aggressive and she came in my space. Like, there's a video. She's in my space. Yeah, the I camera's in my space. Using some real salty language yeah, yeah, for a pastor. Yeah, 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 for a pastor, right? Just being very aggressive. And if the roles are reversed, and that was a a, a man coming in a woman's space, I mean, that would be, be a deeply been offensive. Let go from his right, exactly. Yeah. So true. I wouldn't have her in. But um, that said, you know, I do wish her the best of luck. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I am not for people that are just. You have this 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 platform. You have this this stage, and you are you advocated for somebody who is not for Black and Brown people. Yeah. And, and you know, on the whole other side of that spectrum, you had a piece um, out this week about Kenya Barris, which yes. I which this is something people knew was true. I guess we all kind of knew it was true, but it's um, now very much on the record. Uh, and this is the creator of Blackish, um, who's now come on the record, broken his silence about the fact that that episode of Blackish that was in, I guess it involved people kneeling. Yeah, it Charlottesville. It Black Lives Matter, Charlottesville. Of the NFL, exactly. Yeah. Whole thing, and they it was supposed to air in February. Yeah. And the, it, it got pulled. 
pulled mm -hmm. suddenly yeah. after it was signed off by so many people high yep. up at NBC and it got pulled and we never knew why yeah. except for there was there was um, creative differences mm -hmm. is what Kenya was saying and what ABC was saying and now we're hearing that there was much more to the story yeah I mean the episode was called please baby please and it was I mean from we all from we all heard it was a really intelligent smart episode but the but ABC wants to appeal to the the, the red base they want to appeal to Red America. Hello, what, Roseanne. What, right, exactly, yeah. Roseanne viewers. So they pulled the, they pulled the entire episode in fear that it would upset upset Red America. Now my question is, how much of Red America is watching Blackish? Like I just good I don't, point. I, well, I <laughs> but but what happened was that earlier that season they launched you know the reboot of Roseanne exactly, and right. so and they saw you know this show become so popular twenty two million with viewers that base it mm -hmm. became so huge and they were like wait a minute yeah maybe we need to rethink this you know how we're putting out our our programming what we're saying in our right. shows um, because before then I mean they've got um, what is it off the boat or fresh off, fresh the, boat. off the boat they've got black TGIT yeah. yeah. Shonda Lamb. Yeah, yeah, they have so much going on on there that I mean, you have Channing Dungey running it, right? right? So you have a black woman right. running ABC Entertainment. So it, it really had become kind of the blackest network. network. It yeah. really had. And then suddenly it makes this turn because of, because because of, of one show. Because of yeah. one and show. And because of this one show. I think that that had a lot to do with um, pulling that episode. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I love is that Kenya Barris said, you know what? I'm done. Yeah, he left. He and went that's to why he left. And Yeah, and she, exactly. That is, is that why Shonda left too? That, I mean, I would assume so. We don't know yet. They I'm wanted sure. more freedom than what the network was willing to but give. But I wonder him. if Shonda left specifically because oh. of the network's attitude towards wanting to go after this red base, you know, with what was happening with, because I think she left a little bit before. before. She left before. She left yeah. before all this happened. It's an interesting question because Shonda, one of the things that Shonda Land did was it really centered stories of marginalized people, or it was LGBT people, where she was very overt. They weren't trying to be sort of, remember they used to go to black? Yeah, Whenever yeah, there was babe, like a gay yes. couple. <laughs> they would kiss, they would play. Before they the lips touch. <laughs> she wasn't doing that. No, no, no. She no. was doing something very different. Interracial relationships, like very, you know, very um, in your face racial subjects, whether it was on um, how to get away with murder yeah. uh, or whether, any all of the shows, and, I think. And put scandal. a black woman in lead for yeah. the first time in what, since Julia? Yeah, yeah. years. And now yeah. that's I mean, all gone years. off of ABC. It's all gone. And, you know, I think what's going to happen is these networks are, are, are going to miss out. You know, I, I think the shows that I've watched that I could not even remotely relate to, I used to love Margaret Chow's American Girl. Mm. You know, one all American girl. One season, an Asian American family. I couldn't relate to it, but I loved it. Imagine if that was the opinion of when 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 Roots aired, right? Yeah. Oh, we're we're not sure how the South is gonna feel. Gonna like, feel. you know, you know, and I also think it does a disservice, even to the quote unquote red base. I mean, are are we going to pigeon them pigeon pigeonhole them all into being just Roseanne, you know, right. uh, based, we, we don't know. I mean, right. there's shows that have been iconic that blew up. You, you never know what's going to resonate with folks. So I just love that Netflix is 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 artist first, right? That's what, that's what Kenya yeah. Barris said. Yeah. And I think, see, that's what I'm talking about. Whether it's Colin Kaepernick, whether it's Kenya Barris, whether it's Shonda Rhimes, that at a certain point in this time, because we're in dangerous times right now, yeah. you know, even though they have money and they're, they're, they're famous and rich, but they're making a decision saying, you know what, for me, 
being in a space where I feel comfortable, where I can be expressive, where I can exercise my, my creative rights, that's more important than the check. Yeah. I think you have to throw Beyonce and Jay-Z in there. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Well With said. Their, their yeah. most recent music and yeah. what they're doing and what they're saying in their Absolutely. lyrics. I think you have to definitely well, include that. And, and I mean, you have some stars that are really taking these kinds of chances with um, angering that base in order to stand for what they stand for. I mean, Jennifer Lewis, I think, wearing Nike. Oh, great. Um, at on the, the Emmy red, the red carpet. The red carpet. So I loved that. And I love her, by the way. I, I we love you, Jennifer. Jennifer. So Please come on the podcast. <laughs> I know. Please, we love you. Well, before we let you go, we do want you to talk about this nice little gift yes, that you please. gave us yes. and tell people where they can find it. So tell us about your book. Live Through This, Surviving the Intersections of Sexuality, God, and Race. It's a collection of essays about my life. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my mother was white. My father was black. I grew up in the trailer parks of Washington State and the hood of West Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So there's so many intersections in my life. And the, the, the takeaway of the book is that Less, less of it being a wake-up call, I want it to be a, a punch in the gut. You know, when I wrote this book, it was during the madness of the uh, Trump campaign. So all the folks that I write about are all these people who are marginalized and you don't hear their stories. So for me, I just wanted to break traditions a bit, break cultural traditions. And there's a quote that I live by from James Baldwin. He said, you have to go the way your blood boils or you have to go the way your blood beats. And that's what that book is about, surviving spiritual and theological violence and coming out on the on the on the other side of it and saying where does my life go when i own my narrative mm -hmm. so that's much of what the book is about 27 essays i it, it changed my life just writing it and it's been a goal to have a book of mine come out so i'm very grateful and those are all the intersections of who i am and we all have that right yeah mm -hmm. you know you know we're all not any kind of monolith we all have these diverse experiences so like i said you'll laugh you'll cry you'll think a, a little bit you mm -hmm. know some stories are really funny and I think the ultimate theme of it is just poverty and classism mm -hmm. the poor folks have so much in common yeah we don't even realize it that's right true. you know we have so much in common so that's the kind of story that I wanted to have tell. your parents read the book so my father and I we have no relationship um, and the end of the essay is called killing my father and it's about removing myself from my my uh, father's roots when my film holler hear me what, what, what came out it was screened at the White House and he, um, I didn't invite him because I didn't think he'd want to see, we haven't spoken in years, to see his, this is his words, his faggot son, faggot documentary. Mm. So I didn't invite him to the White House. And, and he was really enraged after that. So I can't imagine he read the book. Yeah. But he was upset that you did not invite exactly, him? Exactly, because we hadn't spoken in years. But right. this is what homophobia does to people, right? Yeah. It makes you think delusional. But what I do know, what he I He thought said, he was supposed to go to the White House? Exactly. I ain't spoken to you in two or three years, but now that now the Obama's interested. But what I realize is that I don't know his story. Right. I don't know the pain that he has. Uh. You know, so I have to meet him where he is. Right. And so if I ever get that phone call, that is my father. Yeah. And I yeah. will I will I will say hello to him again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I don't know what his story is. I don't know the pressures he grew up being a black man growing up in the seventies in Philadelphia. Yeah. Is there I don't any know what relation to your family? <laughs> yeah, you should. Is there any relation with his siblings, his side of the family? My father is your stereotypical military father, so I don't really know his story. Wow. And I think a lot of that, you know, we we think how folks are socialized and toxic masculinity, but we sometimes forget the emotions about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you yeah. and but I do say a lot in the book how my father, believe it or not, taught me what it meant to be a man. As complex as that might sound. My, my mother, I'll, quick story, my mother, I was in Washington State. She made me move to Philadelphia when I was a little kid because she was like, you're in an all-white area in Washington State. <laughs> I need you to be around your people. I love you, 
but I can only teach you but so much. Mm -hmm. And that was my father. So there's many fundamental things he taught me of, of being a man. So we don't talk now, yeah. but I respect him and I love him. And I know I don't know his story or, or his history. Oh, that would be your next documentary, man. <laughs> I want to know more. When can folks listen to your radio show? Uh, 12 p.m. weekday, Sirius XM Urban View, Channel 126. We talk politics, you know, some guests. And you fight guests. with folks at the end <laughs> and get it on tape. <laughs> I did not fight. Let me just say, Omarosa. You pop off a little bit. <laughs> Omarosa, one thing I didn't do, I made Jerry, sure. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I'm getting them to listen. No. I'm trying to help you out. Yes. I'm a roaster, no. Well, one thing I wasn't going to do is insult a black woman and, and talk about her hair or call her out of her name. It's not my and style. And you didn't go there. Would never go there. I'll go yeah. there on your politics and, and your political beliefs, but no, that's no. not my style. You're when a class act. Right, You're right. a class actor. Who she quoted, by the way, they said when they go low, I'm like, they is, is Michelle Obama. <laughs> And you were in the Trump, I didn't say this, but you were in the Trump White House. What are you like? That would have been funny if you were like, that's the last Trump. Right, 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 right. That's the last Trump. That's the last Wait, let me get a sip real quick. Hold on a second. Make this podcast go viral. Wait a second. Hold on. Craziness. my first lady. No. Craziness, craziness, craziness. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We love you, Clay. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Come back soon. All right. All right. Thanks to our friend Clay Kane for joining us today. Follow him on Instagram at Clay Kane and on Twitter at Clay Kane and on Facebook. Guess where? Clay, Clay Kane. Clay Kane. Absolutely. And follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. On read this, read that. Well, leave off the last T on Twitter for savings. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, and be sure to watch AM Joy this Saturday and Sunday morning. We'll still be talking about. Kavanaugh and so much so more. Much more. Uh, the show is on Saturday and Sunday, like I said, from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, Indeed. only on MSNBC. Absolutely, and you can catch it, Miss Jackie Reed, on the Tom Jordan Morning Show every Tuesday and Friday at 8.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, also mm. on NBC's New York Live, weekdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you happen to be in Boston, Boston. you can catch Jackie Reed. On NBC's The Hump today. today, she and Jesus are together weekdays at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time because Jackie don't do TV without the Lord. Well, hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I've seen a light. I dream a light about you. Not a day goes by.